This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon, this is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture and I'm Juliet Jacobs. It's been described as crimes against humanity. Back in 2015, Malaysian police discovered 139 mass graves in 28 abandoned migrant prison camps just over the border from Thailand in Wangkalian in Perlis, following the discovery of similar graves also in Thailand. So the victims are believed to be Rohingya Muslims and Bangladeshis, victims of mass human trafficking from Myanmar and Bangladesh to Thailand and Malaysia from 2012 to 2015. Human rights NGO Fortify Rights and Malaysia Suhakam investigation into the matter found reasonable grounds to believe that it was a transnational criminal syndicate committing crimes against humanity against these trafficked persons, including acts of murder, extermination, enslavement, forcible transfer, torture and rape and sexual slavery. Though Malaysia set up a royal commission of inquiry into the matter, no report was made public, with officials calling it an official state secret. That is, until Fortify Rights revealed that the report recently appeared on the Ministry of Home Affairs website. What were the findings in this supposedly state secret report and what exactly is happening? Joining me now to bring us up to date on everything is Patrick Pongsaton. He is a human rights advocacy specialist at Fortify Rights. Welcome, Patrick. How are you today? Hi, Julia. Lovely to be with you today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. Sorry for that very long introduction, but I thought we need to give some context. Um, And Fortify Rights, of course, you know, you guys, independent, non-profit organisation, you have been working on this particular case for years now. Can you take me back to 2015? So I know that that in April of that year, Fortify Rights testified before the US Congress, am I correct, uh, on the human trafficking of Rohingya to Thailand and Malaysia. You guys exposed the existence of this illicit uh, trafficking camps in the border areas. Can you I- elaborate on that for our listeners? Yeah, that's right. Um, so actually, it's between 2012 and 2015, the UN estimates that more than 170,000 people boarded ships uh, from Myanmar and Bangladesh um, bound for Malaysia via the jungles of southern Thailand. Um, so this was human trafficking on an industrial scale um, that was being masterminded by a criminal syndicate that was working across the region, but definitely in cahoots with uh, officials um, in Thailand, and we believe also in Malaysia as well. Um, so when we testified before uh, Congress, we were detailing the abuses that these victims of trafficking, as you said, mainly Rohingya uh, Muslims escaping genocide in Myanmar, as well as some uh, Bangladeshi nationals. And we, we testified about their experiences, the horrific experiences that they went through at the hands of this trafficking syndicate, um, where they were kept in essentially death camps in the jungles of southern Thailand in Wankalian as well, um, where they were extorted. They were, they were basically held for ransom um, and their families were threatened uh, until they could pay thousands of dollars to have their relatives released. Um, they were subjected to all kinds of abuses, including torture, Uh, rape, um, poisonings, burnings, all kinds of horrific acts. And then in 2015, you write that the Thai authorities initially um, discovered the mass graves in southern Thailand. They discovered a mass grave containing 30 bodies. That was in April 2015. And then in in May 2015, um, the Malaysian authorities announced that they discovered 139 uh, graves and 28 trafficking uh, sites in in, in Wankalian. Mm-hmm. Okay. And once that happened, right, you know, once that discovery was made of those mass graves and those abandoned migrant prison camps, can you sort of remind us, you know, what, what sort of happened after that? I mean, you, there was a report by you guys, of course, which was also done in collaboration with Suhakam. It's called Soul Like Fish, right? Uh, there was so much in that report. I mean, maybe you can help unpack some of the things that were revealed in that report. 
Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we we really sold like fish in uh, March 2019, I think it was, with the Malaysian Human Rights Commission, so Hakim. And um, what that report detailed is this trafficking um, syndicate's actions uh, to abuse uh, and to kill and rape and torture um, thousands of Rohingya um, uh, victims of, already victims of genocide, but then they turned into victims of human trafficking indeed, and also some Bangladeshi nationals. So really what that report laid out was, um, you know, how that criminal syndicate worked, how they collaborated with officials, how they uh, extorted these people for thousands of dollars uh, in order to uh, buy their safety, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were sort of promised that Malaysia is a safe place, welcoming exactly. and all of that sort of things, right? Yeah, Exactly. They were promised, you know, that there would be jobs waiting for them and, and their lives would be so much easier if only they got on these ships. And the trafficking and the torture don't, didn't only happen on land, actually. We also documented horrific abuses at sea uh, and, 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 you know, many people uh, killed at sea that we will never know you know, what happened exactly to, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no, sorry. I was just yeah, I was sighing at that. And um, and of course, you know, you spoke to to folks who had been, I mean, uh, maybe for those who are wondering, who were the folks that you spoke to, you know, to to gather this sort of evidence? Yeah. Um, so we actually spoke with around 200 eyewitnesses and um, survivors of mm-hmm. this, uh, this trafficking syndicate's actions. Um, and we also spoke to officials and relatives of, of people who who were trafficked, um, and we gathered lots of documentation uh, and and different kinds of evidence, even including you know uh, evidence of bank transfers between relatives and uh, the traffickers. Yeah, and and we know that you know you guys released that report back in 2019, also because you know it coincided with Malaysia creating that Royal Commission of Inquiry, isn't it, to investigate this case at the time? Uh, it sort of signaled, I guess, you know, fresh political will by the government of Malaysia at the time to account for these crimes uh, perpetrated by traffickers against Rohingya and Bangladeshis from 2012 to 2015. But can you sort of remind our listeners as to what happened after that? Right. So when the trafficking sites and, and the crimes came to light in 2019, you're right, in January 2019, the Malaysian government established the Royal Commission of Inquiry headed by Afarin Zakaria, who's the former chief justice. And it was given, the RCI was given um, six months to to report its findings. Um, but we didn't hear anything for another year. In fact, we heard in January 2020 from the Prime Minister at that time, Muhyiddin Yassin, um, that the uh, the report itself was with the Cabinet. Um, but then we didn't hear again anything further until July 2022, uh, when in response to a question in, in Parliament, Home Affairs Minister Hamza said that the report had been published, in fact, but uh, <laughs> very difficult to find. And as we spoke with uh, a couple of parliamentarians and uh, former member of Suhakam and also a, a member of another international NGO, um, all of whom should have been aware that this publication was out, but none of them were actually aware of its publication. I think that speaks to the lack of transparency that has been uh, a kind of the approach of, of the government on this RCI. But we did find the RCI report online. Yes. Um, <laughs> After so, what, you know, this weird deafening silence, right? I mean, they yes. called it a state uh, secret, uh, state yeah. secret, official state secret, didn't they? Well, that, that's the interesting thing. Yeah. As recently as August um, this yeah. year, um, the, the chair of the RCI, uh, uh, he, he stated that actually the findings were under the Official Secrets Act. 
So really, this if that's the case, this shouldn't be online, <laughs> but it is, and we have it, and we've kept it on record. The English version mysteriously uh, disappeared between the time that we found it and the time that we released our statement this week, okay. um, but we have that on file as well. So I can give you a, an overview of what the, what the report yes, says, perhaps. Yes, please. Um, because it actually is really interesting uh, findings and, and there should be a wider knowledge about what the report uh, from the RCI says. It details uh, a real human tragedy, in fact, um, and, it, and the report actually states explicitly that this should have been prevented by the Malaysian authorities. So I think that's a really key point. It should have been prevented and it wasn't prevented because of official negligence, essentially. Um, there was a, a failure to detect um, the the trafficking sites and the trafficking syndicates actions, which cost the lives of hundreds, if not thousands of people. Um, there was destruction of evidence when they first discovered the trafficking sites. The authorities, in fact, ordered um, the police to destroy the camps, therefore destroying essential evidence that could have been used in, uh, in trials against the perpetrators. There was also unexplainably long delays in investigating the grave sites. Months were up to uh, around six months almost um, between the first discovery of the graves yeah. and the eventual um, exhumation and uh, you know forensic analysis of the bodies. This delay meant that out of the 114 people who were exhumed, um, they could only establish the cause of death for two people. So obviously this really hampers any potential trial and conviction of people involved in in this horrific uh, crime against humanity, in fact, um, and 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 the order to um, the order to delay the exhumation is is also very interesting because it states in the RCI when they spoke to um, the then Inspector General of Police Khalid bin Abu Bakr, he stay he he admitted that he put the investigation on hold because. He could not establish whether the graves were in Malaysian or Thai territory. And he, he put on hold that investigation for months uh, to establish whether these grave sites were in Thai or Malaysian territory, when I think that that could have been established a lot quicker. Uh, and actually, if, if you have any confusion about that, um, I think you know, that's a reason to actually uh, speed up the investigation, not delay Great. the investigation, which is what actually happened. So the, the, the report does really have some interesting um, evidence in there, but it doesn't it doesn't answer all the questions and it really doesn't provide justice to the victims of this horrific uh, crime against humanity in that it doesn't recommend criminal prosecutions. It doesn't recommend any further investigation of what seems to be really serious official negligence. Um, so that's what we're calling for uh, today is that the Malaysian authorities reopen this case. They investigate further um, government and police negligence in the handling of this case, any potential, you know, uh, complicity uh, with these trafficking syndicates, they really should look into that a lot further. And they should bring justice to um, the human trafficking victims and their families by taking further action based on Fortify Rights' and Suhakam's work, but also the findings in the RCI report. Mm-hmm. And, and just to sort of clarify as well, Patrick, like to date, uh, what action has actually been taken uh, against some of those involved in the case on Malaysia's side? So there have been, I think, mm. very few, but there have been some. Am I correct? Yes, there's been five cases uh, brought against five five people. Um, so four of those people are actually non-Malaysians, and one was a a local um, transporter, essentially a low-level figure mm-hmm. in this uh, criminal syndicate. 
Um, but by contrast, in Thailand? Exactly. By contrast, in Thailand, what these revelations on the Thai side of the border meant was the largest human trafficking trial in Thailand's history. Um, they eventually found 76 people guilty of uh, involvement in human trafficking in this case, including really high-level army and, uh, and and government officials. Okay, all right. So there is a clear, yeah, there's, there's something clearly is not happening here in Malaysia, isn't it? They're not taking it seriously at all. Uh, there seems to be a lot that is not being revealed. Uh, and of course, you know, um, you know, in the report that you guys released yesterday, I mean, you also sort of outline, you know, Malaysia's sort of um, commitment uh, in terms of fighting against human trafficking and all of that, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. The um, Malaysian government has signed up to several international protocols which um, commit the government to fighting uh, and preventing human trafficking. Um, you also have your own human trafficking legislation on your books. You do. Um, <laughs> and that, that does set out the steps necessary um, when, you, uh, when you're investigating human trafficking cases. And so really, um, I think it's a case of the government just needing to uh, live up to its own uh, promises and obligations, both internationally and, and domestically. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that we haven't held any sort of uh, officials accountable, I mean, that's something that, uh, you know, uh, Matthew uh, Matthew Smith from Fortify Rights also pointed out, you know, that's really, as he said, uh, a stain on the nation's record and really must be rectified. Absolutely. And these things will, being, will be noticed by governments, in particularly the US uh, government uh, every year releases a trafficking in person report. And for, I think, the second year running uh, this year, Malaysia was on the lowest level, at the lowest tier in terms of its performance for tackling uh, trafficking in persons, as they call it in the States. Um, so really, if, if the government wants to improve its trafficking record, um, this is would be a great place to start, you know, to, to really seek proper accountability for the victims of um, the horrific crimes that happened in Wang Kalian. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, just to sort of um, uh, conclude, Patrick, you know, what do you want Malaysians, you know, regular Malaysians, anyone listening, what do you want them to know about this? What would you like them to sort of call for? I mean, you know, uh, Malaysia is heading into the elections, you know, heading to our next general elections. Yeah, any sort of message you'd like to leave us with? Absolutely. I think what I'd like Malaysians to to know is that this was a really horrific crime. Hundreds of people were uh, trafficked, tortured, uh, extorted and killed uh, on Malaysian territory. And uh, Malaysian authorities really dragged their feet in this investigation. And we want to know why, uh, why that was the case, why there was almost a six month delay in exhuming the graves in Wang Kalian. So I know that the elections are coming up. So obviously it's a politically kind of turbulent time, but I think it's a good opportunity as well to make this an election issue because the world is watching. As I said, the, the US and, and other countries are taking note of the way that the Malaysian authorities deal with these kinds of cases. So really, I think in this time, what we're calling on the Malaysian government to do is to further investigate what happened in Wang Kalian. Um, the RCI is a good start, but there are still lots of unanswered questions and justice still needs to be delivered for the victims. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, uh, that report is still available. The, the Bahasa version, the BM version is still available on the website. The English one is not though, right? That's right. The English one was removed uh, between August and, and, and now. Okay. Um, but but there is, if you click on our website, uh, fortifyrights.org, and you go to our statement, we've actually um, somehow 
saved a copy online. So if you click on some of the hyperlinks, I think you can find the English version, but the Malay version is still on the ministry's website. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, well, thank you so much, Patrick, you know, for explaining that to us. Uh, really something that we need to keep talking about so that, you know, people don't forget about it, uh, you know, with everything that's happening here in Malaysia. This is really, really crucial. Um, again, you know, folks just need to head to Fortify Rights. So that's www.fortifyrights.org. All the information is there, right? That's right. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you so much. I've been speaking to Patrick Pongsaton, Human Rights Advocacy Specialist for Fortify Rights. If you miss any part of our conversation today, just download the podcast at bfm.my slash learn or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.